Hey guys, Ryan Dement, True Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great day. Please like, subscribe, share. We are doing a vlog now with the podcast. You get to see my ugly face along with my voice. Crazy stuff is going on this week, guys. Crazy stuff. And I have to say, when I saw this information yesterday, well, over the weekend, the infrastructure bill came out. There was talk about taking away the EIDL loan program and the EIDL grant program and helping it, taking its funds and moving it to the infrastructure bill to pay for it. If you guys don't know what that is, basically uh, the CARES Act got passed last year and they funded uh, the Small Business Administration with uh, billions of dollars to help small businesses either in a grant function or a loan function or both. Um, and they've basically taken that money and ripped it out, uh, and moved it over to the infrastructure bill. So that's, that's not cool. The other, the other headline that, uh, got me, uh, this morning is, uh, household debt jumps by most in 14 years to nearly $15 trillion in the second quarter. Um, and then the other piece, Biden's new eviction ban eases liberal ire at the cost of legal risk. That's, that's quite interesting. So guys, I hope you guys are doing well. Let's get right to it. Infrastructure bill. They pull $31 billion from the COVID disaster loan program. The loans... Uh, we're actually, they're saying the loans that are in process or the funds are dedicated already are going to be, are not going to be touched. I have a hard, I have a hard pass on that because I have a feeling they're just going to yank the whole thing. That's just me because they're going to find any which way to Sunday to get this thing passed uh, before they have to go on their mandatory vacation until September. God forbid they miss a few days of vacation. Guys, and if you guys don't realize, I don't care for politicians. I don't care if you're right, left, in the between, libertarian, socialist. I think they're all corrupt. They're all out for one thing themselves and is get much money in their pockets uh, and get it lined as, as, as thick as they can. So when they get out of office, they're making millions of dollars. Um... It's pretty sad, but that's life. The the other thing that, uh, you know, came out of this uh, 2,702 pages or 2,742 pages, I don't know. I downloaded the bill and I just like, oh God, that this is, this is just a waste. There definitely is a lot of pork in there. What do you expect? But it's it's crazy. So the headline from CNBC, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act would claw back $13.5 billion from the EIDL program and another $17.6 billion in affiliated grants for businesses in low-income areas. Well, we run our business out of Wyoming, and we do qualify for this, but we applied a long time ago and never got anything, don't expect to get anything. Um, is what it is. Uh, 
But at the end of the day, there's a lot of other businesses that are struggling to get this money and they're going to be SOL because they think the infrastructure bill is more important to where everybody's going to get a piece of the pie and everyone's going to be touched by it. But I'm trying to understand that and wrap my hand, my head around it is an infrastructure bill is just for that roads, trains, airplanes, unless I don't understand the infrastructure. So if you're a restaurant or a small business owner that provides interior decorating, how's the infrastructure bill going to help you? I don't know. I, I just, I don't know how that's going to work and, and it's not playing out well, but it's just, it, it's, it's crappy. It, it is just totally crappy and not allowing these small businesses to be able to take advantage of, of these loans or this EIDL uh, grant sucks because at the end of the day if they're struggling why can't they get these funds and now you're basically just saying who cares and let me just go ahead and put you out of business permanently so what happens then when you don't have enough businesses creating revenue which generates taxes which pays for the government what happens then Things fall by the wayside and we keep on and we keep on having to print money. Uh, you know, guys, it, it's just that's that's just too much for me. And for me, it's I look at it as one thing. Control your own destiny. And I know I know some can't. And a good example of that, and I digress, is uh, in Evansville, Indiana, where we do business. There is an apartment complex that uh, basically the landlord has let the apartment complex go to hell in a handbasket, but they haven't paid their uh, utility bills in God knows how long. I don't know if it's hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions. I don't know. But basically what's going to happen is the utility company is going to turn off the power and you have 140 residents living there. Where do you put them? City doesn't have any more Section 8 or voucher housing to put these people. So now you're stuck with 140 people that you don't have any place to put them. But that's all caused by, you know, lack of training and leaving people behind the system because we've created a welfare system to where people just want to put their hand out and and depend on the federal government or the state or your local government to put a roof over your head, to put food on your table, and to pay your medical bills or give you medical coverage. Which, in my book, for me, I don't want to depend on anybody other than myself to be able to put food on my table, a roof over my head, and clothes on my back. It just doesn't work that way. And, and it, you know, a whole part of this, in, of this system, and I want to be able to help change it, is, you know, we're starting a nonprofit, True Community, Cheap Plug. And I want to educate and help people change, but they have to want it first. If they don't want it, I can't do anything for them. 
they they really have to be able to get their act together uh, and be able to show their way through it. Coffee break. Sorry, guys. I also have to plug in my computer. So we're creating this larger welfare state and I'm all for, you know, making sure people are taken care of and we don't have homeless people, but not to the point to where people are not going back to work and they rather just take money from the government. It just doesn't work that way in my book. I, I don't I don't like that. Um, we're setting ourselves up for future generations to depend on that and it just it just it sucks the life out of the actual country because you're losing your creativity you have you have up and coming generations that all they know is a welfare system and why do they need to change if it's there for them when they get old enough they can take they can apply and take it it's sad it 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 really it really hurts but i mean what do you do all I can do is work with what I have and focus on what's in front of me. We're going to get true community up and going and start helping people that way um, and start educating people and, and getting them on the path of self-reliance and wanting change. It's a mindset shift and you got to get there. But if you don't, no one can force you to get there. You have to do it on your own. But if you do get there, it's uh it's a world of difference. All right. Uh headline household debt jumps by the most in 14 years to nearly 15 trillion in the second quarter. They're saying um in dollar terms that was the fastest growth since the second quarter of 2007 when the last downturn happened. And at 2.1%, that was the fastest percentage increase in seven and a half years. They're saying over the past four quarters, mortgage originations have totaled close to $4.6 trillion, amounting to 44% of all outstanding home loan balances, which are saying the majority of the debt and the increase is from home loans. Well, guess what? If the market is on fire... Housing is overpriced. Oh, by the way, guys, the media has caught on to the market is starting to teeter and you're starting to see more reports out there. If you haven't seen them, I'll share some with you to where the median price of a home is out of reach for the for the American buyer, for the average American buyer that's not coming from California or from New York or from Illinois. Um where they can pay cash for a house. But for the average Joe, just like me, I, I can't, I can't fathom the idea of, of paying almost half a million dollars for a three bedroom, two and a half bath house. And knowing that I've got a $2,500 payment on a monthly basis, almost $3,000 probably with insurance and taxes and all that other great stuff. Financially, it just doesn't make any sense. But we're we're out there trying to uh, buy houses when we know that's going to strap us. Um, are lenders making better decisions for underwriting? Sure, they are. But at some point, whether you're using debt-to-income ratios of less than thirty percent, twenty-five percent, twenty-two percent, 
I mean, once you get in the twenties, I mean, you're, you're really starting to, you know, hedge your bets, but I've seen some of these loans go up to over 35%. I mean, you're, it's over a third of your, of your income is going to debt servicing for your house. Doesn't include all your other debt, student loans, credit cards, auto loans, which auto loans are out of control. I saw an article uh, last week where people are buying cars that are five, six, eight thousand dollars, sometimes ten thousand dollars over MSRP. So the price that you see on the outside on the sticker, there's a price and then there's MSRP. That's the top number, and they're paying above that. And they're wondering why they can't get financed because auto finance companies are saying, no way. We're not going to do that because it's putting us at risk for you to default. So what are they doing? They're getting a second on their car. It's created a whole nother market. They've been around for years. It's not very big gap financing, however you want to call it. But at the end of the day, you've created a secondary market for people to have seconds on their, on their cars. They're the, in the article, the guy, um, Purchased a Telluride, a Kia, $12,000 over MSRP. Whoever is primary financing company said, no way, we're not going to do that. You need to come up with a difference. So what does he do? He finds a secondary uh, company to finance it at 13.5% interest rate. So between the two payments, he's got $1,200 worth of payments on, on, this, on this unit. $1,200. Hmm. What do you think is going to crash first, the auto or the housing? I don't think housing is going to be first. I think auto is going to be the first because it's it's gone crazy too because of the chip shortage. I saw an article with GM they they missed on their second quarter, and they said they're going to be idling three plants, truck plants, because they can't get chips again. So we're back in that old adage. And you know what? Let's while we're looking. I got to look at lumber. Okay. Uh, September futures for lumber is $580.30. It's down 4.3% today. Last several days, it's been down. You know, we we peaked August 4th around $620. Excuse me. Have a hole in my lip when I'm drinking coffee. Um, but... They're saying there's going to be a bounce in lumber too. We'll see. The demand is is right around the corner in September, so we'll see how that goes. But right now, as we uh, shoot the video, $580.30, so that's cool. All right. Uh, student loans. Saw this. There's a big push uh, from Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders to forgive $50,000 of student loans. So let me be very clear. That $50,000 is federal loans. So Department of Education, and for you oldie but goodies out there, which dates me, FELP loans, Federally Funded Education Loan Program. And that's that's been shut down for many years, but there are still loans out there. How do we pay for that? And I don't know if it's in this infrastructure bill or not, and I'm going to go look. So stay tuned for that. But the one question, the, the one thought I had on this 
is the moratorium for forbearances ending September. They have to start making payments in October. Um, there's quite a bit of people say they can't afford their monthly their monthly payment for their student loans. So what do you do? Do you default on them? Do you try to get deferment? Do you get a workout program? I mean, there there are a lot of programs on the federal side that you can do, but for us, me, that have private loans, I've been paying them all through the pandemic. I didn't get a choice. They gave you a deferment, but that deferment was interest-bearing, and I wasn't going to put myself in further debt. So guess what? I had to knuckle down and find a way to make those payments on a monthly basis. Otherwise, I'd be in default. So I don't know what wave is going to come out of this, um, but stay tuned on that. And then a side note on that, I read an article this morning in the Wall Street Journal. They did an article on a gentleman that is uh, an attorney. Uh, I don't know if he's first-year, second-year attorney in Miami, Florida. $300,000 with a student loan uh, debt, and he's only making $70,000. And he doesn't think he's going to make over $100,000 for the next several years. And he has a mixture of federal and private loans, so he's paying on the private loans, but his federal's been in forbearance. And that's coming to an end, as we know. So what do you do then? It's It's pretty tough. You know, what do you do? How do you, how do you pay how do you pay your bills? How do you make sure you put a roof over your head? How do you make sure that you uh, put food on your table? There's got to be a better system and a better way to do this. Um not saying school is a bad thing, but the schools have gotten out of control, uh, you know, if you if you know the history of for-profits. You have a lot of for-profit schools out there that have been sued or put out of business. University of Phoenix sued, huge lawsuit, and you, you've got people getting their student loans forgiven and paid off because of that. Higher education has got out of control for cost, and what the higher education price tuition comes with and what it equals to, it, it's, not, it's not where it needs to be especially when you have a third of your students, college graduates, uh, graduating with close to $65,000 or more in student loan debt and in with degrees that are never going to have them earn more than $50,000 a year. How are they ever going to pay it off? They're set up for failure. So do we educate them better on the front end? Do we reduce the cost of school in the middle? And do we educate them on the back end how to handle finances? I think all of the above. Because whether or not we want to admit it, we have a schooling challenge in this country. And with the pandemic and closing down schools, we have future generations that are, are going to be missing out on education. And there are already studies coming out saying Students have already lost six months of reading comprehension and five months of math comprehension. So if that trend continues, you're going to have kids that are a year to two years behind in their education piece. That's not going to be good for us because there are future leaders. 
And if our future leaders can't do basic math and understand that if I go get a liberal arts degree and it's only going to allow me to earn $50,000 a year and it's going to cost me $70,000 a year or $70,000 in student loans, math doesn't add up. You got to do something different. And as, as a bad rap as they get, technical schools or trade schools really have upside to them too. They just have a bad rap from people because it's blue collar work and you actually have to get dirty to get it done. Now, is it for me? No. But there's a lot of people out there that could benefit from it. It gives you tools. It gives you trade. It gives you skills. And you can make a decent living. Out here in Phoenix, Carvana is hiring for mechanics. And they're starting them at $25 an hour. And that's with very little experience or none at all. They'll train you. I think the training's like $17 or $20. And you graduate, you get $25 an hour. You get on-the-job training for free. I'm sure you got to stay for a period of time, but no cost to you. And you're making $25 an hour. That's not a bad living to, to come out and say, I, I'm making a decent wage. Knowing that there's upside to that because there's not a lot of people going into that trade. I don't know, guys. Sometimes I, I think uh, we've got a lot of issues going on, but we, we need to self-educate ourselves. And I have got a shameless plug. We're starting a nonprofit, True Community. Please be on the lookout. I'll, I'll start sharing more information about it. But we are going to help people educate themselves, get financial literacy, get them a better job, get them the tools and training that they deserve, and get them into homes that makes it right for them for home ownership. Financial sense for them, not an emotional piece, financial sense to where they can put their head down on their pillow on a nightly basis and know that they can make that mortgage payment with ease and never have to struggle with it. I'm excited about that. I really am. But at the end of the day, it's going to be all about helping as many people as we can. So once once we go live and uh, we have everything up and going, I'll share that with you guys. I think that's it for today, guys. I, I don't have much more. Those were the quick topics. I'll shoot a few other videos during the week. But I hope you guys have a great day. Stay safe out there. And remember, you have choice. You have choices. Make a choice for yourself. That works. But always remember, change is the hardest. And comfort is the enemy of success. If you want change, you got to go get it. I'll see you guys on the other side. Have a great day.